Welcome aboard to Around the Chest, Shay talking our way around the Toronto Blue Jays minor league organization. I'm Jesse Goldberg Strassler, and we begin right at the top with a man who makes this show different from the normal Around the Nest because we are starting up short season play tonight. We're starting up the Vancouver Canadians and Northwest League action. Hello to you, the champion, Rob Fay, voice of the seas. How are you, sir? Well, first and foremost, congratulations to you and the Lancy Lugnuts. I was cheering with you three time zones away, and what a thrill. you got a bunch of good men out there, and uh, I wish them nothing but success. Lansing Lugnuts playoff bound because of a lot of guys you were familiar with from last year. And before we talk about this year's team, let's just rehash last year. How did that championship compare to the rest? Well, it was the first time in franchise history, Jesse, that we had clinched the first half pennant. So we actually had about six to, you know, figure out what we were going to do attendance-wise. We weren't so worried about chasing the carrot right through the 76th game of the regular season. But once we got to the championship, all four games in that best-of-five series were 2-1 finals. So you really got to see the moxie of a young, uh, hungry Toronto Blue Jays affiliate in Vancouver. And more than anything, the thing that I enjoyed the most was just the tenacity this was a team that was relentless they were down by a run up by a run they played hard for all 27 outs so you know we could talk about skill of Nate Pearson in a 100 mile an hour fastball Riley Adams behind the dish Logan Warmoth at shortstop I mean we were pretty loaded to be honest with you but more than anything you got to see what kind of players they were what kind of men they were and for me that's why I think they're having success where they are right now let's talk about this year's team what is the personality of this club just in your first impression I think there's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, We broke for Eugene, Oregon yesterday with 23 players on the bus. They knew that they were going to be met by eight draft-ready kids. So the the bottom line is you thought that you were playing third base, and maybe now you're not. You thought you were going to be in center field. Maybe you're not. But, I mean, that's, you know, first-year professional baseball for a lot of these kids. So it's a lot of, hi, my name is, and getting to know each other. And uh, I would assume in a week or two we'll get a little more of the identity of this team. But for what it is right now, It's just trying to get off to a good start. We're playing the Eugene Emeralds, an affiliate of the Chicago Cubs. Um, This is a team that we met in the championship last year and beat in the championship last year. So I would assume that there's a little bit of vengeance on their side. And for us, we're walking right into the frying pan, which, again, I think will show our colors real quickly. Who on your roster excites you coming in? You know, it's a couple of the guys that are back for their third cups of coffee in Vancouver, which is really an anomaly. And usually that spells not very good things on the wall. But I look at Brian Lozardo at third base. I look at Dalton Rodriguez, the right-handed pitcher that we'll have throwing tonight for us. He'll be piggybacking uh, with Randy Pondler. But I don't know. I sit here and I say to myself, okay, you've been put up to the test. I saw you as a 19-year-old. I saw you as a 21-year-old. Now I want to see the evolution. So, you know, I look at Dalton Rodriguez, 2-7 and seven in his first season with the Canadians two years ago. Last year he was 5-4. and four. So if you keep that going forward, he should be a pretty good pitcher for us this season and uh, one that I would assume that we'll have at least until the All-Star break. So as much as I want to see the draft kids, and we've even got a kid from Vancouver on our roster, which uh, from a PR perspective is outstanding, um, I want to see what these guys that have been here for a couple of years can bring to the table one final time. <laughs> we talk away one guy who is... Uh, scheduled to be back with you, a Vancouver native, Braden Bruchet, who's going to open up with the Lansing Lugnuts. But it's fascinating with me. There's the roster that you get to start up the season. I know and you know that you're going to get an influx of draft picks at some point. The thing for me is, A, you want good draft picks. 
B, you want kids that are ready to play. And three, you want to make sure that you can at least get some of these kids <laughs> some playing time that are back for their second year. Um, it, it is such an elegant dance. I don't know how Charlie Wilson back in Florida and Toronto does what he does, balancing all these different rosters. But, you know, Braden Boucher is a perfect example of a guy that I did not want to see back in Vancouver this year. He was fantastic here last season. He's more than deserving to at least be up in Lansing with you guys, and I'm happy that he's not on my roster as we open up our season today. You look at what we had last year, and I hate to use last year as the comparable, but I haven't seen a game this year, so I'm going to have to go back to the names like Brock Lundquist as a guy that was a mid-to-late-round pick, um, a guy that really drove the bus for us in the final week and a half to two weeks of the regular season and into the postseason. Those are the kind of draft picks that I'm really intrigued by. I mean, it's real easy to get excited about names like Beck and McAfee and, and guys that are coming from school, and, and maybe we'll see Griffin Conine if they end up signing the second-rounder. Um, or placing him in Vancouver. So, I don't know. I sit back and I say to myself, the balance is always one where you just got to keep your head on a swivel and make sure that things are going well. Um, but we're very fortunate to have a new manager this year in Dallas McPherson. Jim Sikowski, the pitching coach, is back for his sixth year in Vancouver. And uh, even though we have Aaron Matthews, Matthews with one T, there's no doubt that we're missing the big red machine in Dave Pano. Well, we've got him. We're taking good care of him. And I was very happy when my caps knocked off his lightning, although he was not very happy. Talking about your Canadians, all right, there's the play on the field, but you're opening up on the road. Tell me about what's going to happen when you go back home to the Nats. Well, it's already sold out, 6,400 and change. The whole series will likely be sold out. It is an extraordinary venue, and I only say that because I know – that a stadium that's built in 1951, and I know all the nooks and crannies of that ballpark, and believe me, there's some warts to that stadium, but the beauty of the ambiance and what we're going to expect with the, the banner being raised, um, a new manager who's excited and wants to show well in Vancouver in his first tenure, um, it's going to be pomp and circumstance for the first couple of days. But more than anything, this is an awesome introduction for players that have been selected by the Toronto Blue Jays to A, find out what a per $10 bill looks like and a blue $5 bill looks like and a, a brown $100 bill looks like and a red $50 bill looks like. I mean, that's on its own and it's all fun and giggles. But more than anything, to have them see how much passion all of Canada has for the Toronto Blue Jays and to see how revered they are three time zones away from their parent club, that to me is something that raises eyebrows, and I think I'm probably more proud of that than anything else. Let me bring up something that's bittersweet for you, but still, it was a treasure for me to listen to you calling Blue Jays games from spring training. How was that experience? Ah, uh, Oh, boy. I would say, Jesse, that that was the most enjoyably difficult time that I have ever had in my life. And I'm born and raised in Toronto. I'm a kid that was wanting to be Jerry Howard since I was probably six or seven years old. So to get to sit down in the chair alongside Ben Wagner, who's a fantastic broadcaster, uh, Mike Wilner's been there for nearly 20 years. He's entrenched in that organization. Uh, those were the bright lights for me. Those were the things that I think I'll take with me moving forward. But um, to those who aspire to be major league broadcasters, let me tell you one thing. You have to be ready for the audition. And I think when I finally got back to Vancouver and deep impressed from that moment, I just realized that there were a lot of moving pieces there um, that perhaps showed that I wasn't ready for the audition. you got to remember, Jerry Howard retired about a week and a half earlier. And there were a lot of things at play that uh, I just think when I got there, uh, I just wasn't ready for. I didn't realize the spring training game had 35 moves in it with 
you know, the bottom of the third scene, eight defensive changes, pinch hitters, pinch runners, guys that hit twice in an inning because they're on rehab, but they got to get their hacks in before they head to the golf course. Um, it was a lot to absorb. So to not get the job, to, to get to the, you know, bachelorette final rose ceremony and not get the rose has made me a better person. It's made me a better broadcaster, but and not to take too long with this, it has made me, I don't want to say angry, but it has made me more locked in focused to change a lot of what I do as a broadcaster. This year's Canadians baseball will be very different sounding than years past. It's going to be more professional. It's going to be more on point. There's going to be less jokes. Time to get down to business because if I ever get that opportunity again, I'm not going to miss my mark. Listen to the man, Rob Fay at Rob Fay Nation on Twitter, CanadiansBaseball.com. It all gets underway tonight as they go to Eugene and take on the Emeralds in the rematch of the championship series from last year. It is Northwest League play. It is beginning. And Rob, thank you very much for joining Around the Chest to start up this week. All the best, and uh, I look forward to listening to the rest of the show. Take care. Thank you very much. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler, and this is Around the Nest. We are jay-talking our way around the Toronto Blue Jays minor league organization. And as Rob mentioned, the Lansing Lugnuts, the single-A Blue Jays affiliate, they just did punch their playoff ticket, and it sounded a little bit like this. Here's the 0-2. He grounds it left side. Shortstop Baconia plays the second. They get the force out on fight. This ball game is over, and the Lansing Lugnuts, for the first time since 2015, are going back to the Midwest League postseason. Your final score, the Lugnuts 4, the Tin Caps 2. That was the call, the Lugnuts making sure that they would be in from the first half, representing the Eastern Division along with the Bowling Green Hot Rods. And now I'm joined by Dante DeCaria, who calls Lansing Lugnuts games with me. Dante, take me through your experience with the Lugnuts clinching that playoff berth. Well, to be quite honest with you, Jesse, I thought it was just amazing to see all the hard work that this Lansing Lugnuts team had put in all season because they deserve it. With the amount of call-ups that this team has had, there is nothing better than that feeling when you clinch. And now everybody can kind of maybe not take a seat back, but maybe not put their foot off the throttle, but and just kind of take it easy down the rest of the season. We don't have to worry about adding players in the second half in order to make that playoff. We got enough firepower firepower right now and to be honest with you I know a lot of guys looking outside this team are saying eh there's not that much talent there's a lot of talent you know you got you pick up a guy like Ryan Gold he's going to help your team in the middle of the order as a potential backup catcher or designated hitter for space and Ryan notice swinging a hotter bat if Chavez Young gets hot again this team's going to start winning some games after the all-star break to be honest that clinching was great but this team is very tired right now and Going through the rest of the season, I expect them to play excellent baseball in the second half going into the playoffs. Okay, let's talk about this road trip. 13 games in 14 days. What were the players saying about it? I I personally think they were tired. A lot of the guys were saying it, it was tough going from hotel to hotel and going from this to that and just overall a very, um, a very mind-draining road trip. Although from a fan looking outside of it, you're going to think, well, I mean, it's not that bad. You sleep in the hotel, then you go. But just the long bus rides and having to go through the grind every day just really wore on this team. And it was funny because a lot of them were going on Twitter and saying, when are we going home? When are we, you know, when are we going back to Lansing? So um, I think everybody's really happy. And you can feel the I'm, – I'm down at batting practice right now, and you can feel the energy. Um, they're ready to go. 
One of the players who really broke out recently, and you can trace it back the day before the road trip started, and then he continued it during the road trip, was Ryan Noda. What changed for Noda to the point that he's hit seven home runs since May 30th? Hitting coach Matt Young told me that he was using his hands a little bit more. And if you ask Ryan Noda, he's going to say his approach didn't change. But I think personally from what I've seen is that he's using all of his power. He's a big boy. He's over 230 pounds. He's 6'3". He is massive. He's got great lower body strength. He's very strong with his hands. And he's just driving the baseball, whereas maybe through the first 40-something games where he didn't have a home run, he was kind of just throwing the bat on the ball and just making contact. He was looking for walks. And hitting coach Matty Young told me that he is now earning his walks. He is not looking for them anymore. He is earning them because he's swinging a good bat and he is taking the pitches that are balls that are good pitches, and he is swinging at the ones that are strikes. So overall, I think it's just Ryan Noda using all of his power, all of his weight, and just transferring it to the baseball. Speaking with Dante DeCaria on Around the Nest, Jay talking around the Blue Jays organization, who else has stood out to you on this Lugnuts team as of late? I think you've got to go to Emerson Jimenez down in that Lansky Lugnuts bullpen. This is a guy that was in double A with the – with the Hart, uh, Hartford team in the Colorado Rockies organization as a shortstop, the Blue Jays signed him last year after he's released, after he was there for 11 games, and then they convert him to a pitcher, sending him to the Gulf Coast League, and he doesn't allow a run. And then he comes here to the uh, Crosstown Showcase and scores two shutout innings. And then the Lugnets take him off the disabled list, put him on – or, pardon me, the Blue Jays put him on the Lugnets disabled list to start the year – and then add him to the roster. And in his first game against Dayton, he was amazing, pitching three innings, although they tied, a, tied the game with a home run in the ninth. He played excellent. And then he hasn't allowed a run over his last five innings pitch since uh, taking on the Bowling Green Hot Rods. I mean, if you're going to have a guy in the late innings that can pitch you two, three scoreless innings, you've got a pretty good arm. And from what I've seen, his slider is awesome. He's got a really good changeup that he mixes in there once in a while in his fastball. It's amazing. He can throw 94, 95 with control. He's got a little cut. He's got a little sink on it. It's a slider, Jesse, to be honest. He's really impressed me a lot. And I know he talked to you yesterday, and the one thing that he pointed out was that I'm thinking like a hitter. <laughs> I'm not going to throw him what I would want to hit. You know what I mean? So he's been really impressive. What do you make of this Lugnuts bullpen that has Emerson Jimenez, the guy who was, used to be a shortstop prospect for the Rockies, Claudio Custodio, who used to be shortstop second base prospect for the New York Yankees. And let me even couple in there Danny Jimenez, who at the start of the year, Danny is 24, Claudio is 27, Emerson is 23. Jimenez was signed late. He was signed only three years ago. And at the start of the year, he was struggling. And now those three are comprising part of the back end of the pen. Well, the one thing is that they all throw hard. And they all have insane upside. Danny Jimenez... Let's go through them all. Jimenez got the curveball. Claudio's got the fastball and the great delivery. Jimenez has the slider. I mean, you mix those guys together at the back end of the bullpen, all three of them good friends, all three of them now close from the Dominican Republic. You got great chemistry. You got guys that you can bring in in every situation. This is pretty good. And if the Lansing Lugnets have all three of them in the second half of the season, they're going to be dang- uh, they're going to be dangerous. And not just them. There's other guys in that bullpen that I really like. I think Kyle Weatherly is a great middle reliever, uh, personally. I think Donnie Sellers as a piggyback starter is awesome. Uh, Matt Shannon has a great live arm. Andrew Dramos a really good long man reliever. I think this Lancy Lugnuts bullpen is very underrated, and I personally think it's going to be the best bullpen in the second half.
Dante Beccaria with the Lansing Lugnuts. The All-Star Game is coming up on Tuesday. Midwest League All-Star Game hosted by the Lansing Lugnuts this year. Three more games to go in the first half of the season, but the Lansing Lugnuts already know that they are playoff bound. Dante, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks, Jesse. See you later. And from Dante, let's move our way up the ladder, promoting to uh, the advanced Florida State League level. Let me bring in Jim Tarabokia with the Dunedin Blue Jays. Jim, how are you? Hey, man, how's it going? It's going well. Let's start up with your DJs. The fact that you just had the bobblehead night, Vladdy Jr., Vladdy Sr. And look, there's Vladdy Jr. to throw out the first pitch. Yeah, it was cool. You know, um, he was also wearing his uh, Dunedin Blue Jays Vladimir Guerrero T-shirt that is still available in the uh, Jays shop. So if anybody ever um, stops by Dunedin Stadium, be sure to stop in and say hi to Kathy and Josh and the entire group in there and uh, check out what's in the Jays shop. But, uh, yeah, he was wearing that shirt. And, um, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he was a lot of fun. Big crowd. Uh, actually, it was to a point where – Everybody wanted the bobblehead so bad that the line, it looked like spring training, the line was snaking out in the parking lot. It was great. And, uh, you know, it was just a really good atmosphere. Last that is tremendous. Well, we've reached the Florida State, off, uh, the All-Star break. So what are your plans? Uh, well, we're just going to kind of, we're right back at it on Monday. So it's kind of just like a regular weekend off, I guess. Um, I'm going to go to the game tomorrow and then, um, you know, go to the post-game festivities and, uh, you know, get ready on Sunday for uh, St. Lucie next week because we have a game uh, that was suspended in April that's going to be completed on Monday. And then right after that, we have a seven-inning game, which officially starts the second half. Um, and it starts uh, – actually, it doesn't start the second half, but I guess, you know, it starts with the half after the All-Star break. Um, and that officially starts the uh, three-game series uh, with St. Lucie as well. Uh, our second half actually officially starts on Thursday, so uh, that's against Clearwater. So, um, you know, we're right there, um, you know, towards that second half, looking forward to trying to, uh, you know, again, defend the uh, co-championship crown. Speaking with the voice of the Dundee Blue Jays, Jim Tarabokia, let me ask you about a couple of players who joined you. First, player activated back off the disabled list, Logan Warmoth. How do you like that 2-3 punch of Kevin Smith and Warmoth batting back-to-back in your order? Uh, we know I like it a lot, you know, and it provides protection. You know, Kevin provides protection for Logan and then and, and vice versa, obviously, more so. Um, with uh, with Logan as well. Where's in that number three spot? It could be Kevin as well. That protects uh, that number two spot. I like it, and I think if Logan really can turn it on um, in the second half, he's shown flashes this year, um, and uh, defensively he's excellent in the field. You know, when he's healthy, um, he can hit as well. So I, I think that's going to be a big key going forward um, <clears throat> in the second half, you know, looking at, at those two as being a, kind of the catalyst for the top of our order towards the middle, and then, of course, Riley Adams right there. Uh, in the middle of the order as well. Bradley Jones can get back um, very soon as well. Marcus Stroman was the latest Toronto Blue Jay to make a rehab appearance with you. How was it watching Stro pitch? Oh, it was so fun, you know. I mean, he uh, has so much fun out there. He really does. And uh, actually what made it really fun was the fact that he faced Kevin Kiermeyer and Danny Hengevaria, who were down on rehab um, with uh, Charlotte. Uh, one, two, right in the top, right in the lineup, right at the top of the order, right to be in the game. So it was kind of like we're getting a glimpse of seeing, you know, somewhat of a major league game there. Um, first five, ten minutes of the uh, ball game 
um, when he pitched. So it was it was really fun watching him, and he looked really good. And um, you know, he kept his uh, stuff down in the zone and uh, moved it around well. And, um, you know, I don't know how many more rehab starts he's going to have, but uh, he's always you know he's always welcome to come rehab in Dunedin because uh, the fans really take to him well. The Lansing Lugnuts just had a 14-day, 13-game road trip. And I know that you've been around, especially before you came to the DJs. What was the worst road trip you can ever remember being on with your team? Um, probably, you know, going to Sugarland, Texas when I was in uh, independent ball. Not that I don't like going to Sugarland, but it was just a hassle with the flights and, and everything like that. And then, you know, getting late, you know, uh, getting the late flights. Um, out of Sugarland, Texas, and then having to uh, play a game at 7 o'clock. There was one time in 2015 where um, our flight was delayed, and we left, I think it was like at 12.30 or something from the runway in Sugarland, or uh, Houston, Texas, where we flew out of, because um, Sugarland's closest to that. And um, the flight left at 12.30, and we got in at like 4 o'clock to uh, BWI. Well, you know where that is, obviously, being from the Baltimore, oh, yes. Maryland, D.C. area. Right. And then we had to drive the bus in traffic on, uh, oh, God, what was that road? Um, 80 or whatever it is. I don't remember. To get to Waldorf, Maryland. Um, but it's always a rough road with traffic. And uh, we got in, uh, like I said, around, I guess, 3.30-ish. Uh, and then we got to the ballpark around 4.30, and it was pretty much drizzling and kind of raining all day, so, so the field was wet. And there was a game that was going to be played that night at 7 o'clock. Our manager said, you know, it feels too wet. Why don't we just kind of call the game? So they uh, they called the game and postponed it to the next day and we played a doubleheader. But that was just a, you know, that was, you know, seven days being in Sugarland, Texas, and then having that delay, trying to get back, and then trying to play a game. That was, that was a, a pretty rough trip. Here in the Florida man, State oh, League, man. Here in the Florida State Leagues, everything's pretty close, so it's not really – there's not really much, you know, there's not tough trips. It's more so the rain that sometimes will postpone games and then it'll make the road trip feel longer because doubleheaders. But, um, you know, there's, there's no rough road trips like the one I – at least for me, the one I experienced that time in 2015. Well, Jim Tarabok here with the Dunedin Blue Jays. All-Star break now. Second half starting up next week. Enjoy the All-Star game. Enjoy the baseball. Enjoy this weekend. Thank you very much for joining me. Hey, all caps, Jesse. Am I right? All caps. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. I already I wore my Washington Capitals championship shirt, my Stanley Cup champion shirt, all around in our first game of the series in Lake County. Yeah, that's great. I, I saw some pictures of the parade. It looked like it was a lot of fun. That city certainly deserved it. They're a hockey town. I think you could agree with that, and uh, I was really happy for them. Thrilled. Thrilled beyond words. Thank you, Jim. All right. Take care, buddy. Well, this is Around the Nest. We've been waiting on Tyler Zickel in AA. I know that he's been having some troubles, and Pat Malacaro in Buffalo told me that he was going to have some difficulty getting away. And so because we have some time, and I've got some interviews for you. Let's hear some conversations. In fact, this week, what I used to do all the time is I'd say, get to know this player a little bit better. Get to know that player a little bit better. So we have some time for you to get to know a little bit better. Brock Lundquist, who you heard referred to earlier during the show by the voice of the Vancouver Canadians, Rob Fay. Brock is a fascinating guy, the mustache, the power, and more. Here's Brock. Joined by the Lansing Lugnuts, Brock Lundquist. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler. Brock, generally when you hit a homer, do you know it's gone off the bat? Uh, most of the time I do, but uh, you know I don't really pimp home runs. I kind of, you know, my natural, 
you know, swing I mean, out of the box. I, I start sprinting out of the box usually every time I hit the ball. So, um, But most of the time, you know, there's every once in a while I know it's gone. Do you remember the first home run you ever hit? I do not, no. That was a long time ago. Long, long time ago. Yeah. Have you always been, in addition to everything else that you can provide, a power hitter on your team? Yeah. Um, my whole life um, I've been kind of like a bigger kid um, with a lot of power. I know when I was a lot younger I was usually the biggest kid on the team. Uh, biggest and tallest, and I usually produce a lot of power. So every year I usually have you know, quite a few home runs. Was there a clutch hit, a big hit that you had that stands out to you? Um, I'd have to say probably four years or five years ago um, I was in the Connie Mack World Series. Um, it was a game before the championship game, and I hit two home runs back-to-back in order to get us to the championship game. That was probably the biggest hit I've ever had. When did you first grow a mustache? I'd have to say junior year in college. Uh, so last year, um, our coach, we had a no-beard policy on our team. Uh, only could have mustache, mustaches, so everybody grew up mustaches, and uh, I decided to keep mine going um, and get the curls on the end. So it, it's coming in right now. Did people give you advice, or did you have to discover this for yourself? No, I, I did it all by myself. So yeah. what's the secret to a quality mustache? Don't shave it. Uh, just keep it growing, and once it gets long enough... Um, you can get some mustache wax and play around with it. Um, so I, I just ordered some. It should be here in a couple of days. I should start getting some twirls on the side of the mustache right now. So. How much of a sensation did your mustache turn out to be at Long Beach State? Um, it was actually pretty big. Um, yeah, I, I know we had a, a lot of days where people wore fake mustaches. Um, and I was one of the only ones that actually kept the mustache on the team. Um, and it actually inspired a lot of other players to do it too. Um, even on other teams, like I saw guys growing mustaches, and they said it was because they saw mine. They thought it was pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, it was a pretty big deal, um, yeah, at Long Beach. So, Did Long Beach State discover you? Did they go out and recruit you? Yeah, they did. Um, it was my sophomore year in high school. I was playing a little showcase thing. at. Actually, I don't even know if it was a showcase. It's like a little tournament at UCLA, uh, a lot of college teams there, and that's when I first uh, got a call from Long Beach and said they were really interested. So I went and checked out the school. I loved it, loved the coaching staff. Um, the amount of players that has gotten to the big leagues out of there has been a lot. Um, so, you know, I decided to commit there. And, you know, I played there, loved the school, and now I'm where I'm at right now. What's it mean to you to actually to wear that dirt bag mantle? Uh, it means a lot. I mean, there's, there's a lot of history that goes behind uh, the name Long Beach State Dirtbags. Um, uh, the coaching history, the player history, and I was glad to be a part of it and continue on that history, and it, it meant a lot playing there. Did you have any idea what round you were going to get drafted? I did not. Um, you know, I, I had a feeling, you know, I'd be in the top, you know, hopefully top six, kind of, and that's where I kind of landed in the sixth round. Yeah. Um, I'm actually good friends with my uh, area scout back home who drafted me, and he gave me the phone call. Um, he's like, hey, man, this is your round right here. He's like, just be ready. I was like, all right. So my name pops up on the, t- on the TV, and, and my whole family, all my friends are there. It's a pretty, pretty exciting moment. Big party? Uh, I didn't have a big party, okay. um, but I, I, did, I did have a lot of friends I hung out with. Uh, you know, we went out and stuff, and you know, had a good time. So. And then Vancouver, where you go out and you win a championship. How's yeah. that experience? You know, first year in Pro Bowl uh, to win a championship, that was, that was really cool. Um, the team we had last year was amazing. Um, and it's basically the same team that we have right now. Most of the same players that came from Vancouver. 
I mean, I think that's why we're so good as a team is because, you know, we bond really well together. Um, we play really well together and, you know, we, we hang out outside of the field together and we all have like this great friendship with each other, which helps us, you know, play really good on the field. At what point did your handmade bones started to bother you? Um, I actually remember um, it was in the playoffs against Eugene um, back at our home field in Vancouver. I remember one swing, I swung and missed and I felt this really like bad pain in my hand. Um, but I just taped it up played through it next to bat actually hit home run which is pretty surprising yeah um but like the rest of the I think we had like four games left I mean my hand was really bugging me and then in the off season um we were thinking maybe time would heal it up but it didn't and they got an MRI and ended up having surgery in uh December was that your first surgery no I had a elbow surgery um in college first year in college um I had my UCL I had UCL repair uh, it wasn't completely torn so I didn't have to get Tommy John so they were able to stitch it back up and uh, it was about a four month recovery recovery. so that was my first surgery I'll get back to the handmade in a second how did it feel to shave the mustache <laughs> it felt weird um, I had the mustache going for almost I think 10 or 11 months um, I trim it all the time a little bit but uh, yeah when I, I clean shaved it it just felt really weird, really weird. I, it just felt like your face was cold yeah yeah I wasn't I was used to always, I mean, I remember when I shaved the mustache, I'm so used to putting my hand, my fingers up to my mustache and twirling it. I would do that when I didn't have a mustache. Like, I'd, I'd put my fingers up and try twirling, <laughs> but there's nothing to twirl, you know? It was, it was really weird. The, uh, the rehab from the handmade bone surgery, Yeah. at what point could you say, okay, now I'm feeling like myself again? I would have to say, I don't know. Um, we'll get there someday. Yeah, I mean, it was probably late spring training. Um, Mine actually took a long time to recover just because um, my handmade bone was broken for so long, for five months, that what happens is the bone that breaks, it pushes against the nerve. And my nerve was so irritated that, um, you know, that's really what we were doing rehab on is my nerve rather than my bone. So my bone is fine, but there's more than nerve that we were doing. And it took about like two and a half, three months for to get recovered. If I look at your season, it's easy for me to say the grand slam you hit against Hunter Green seemed like a huge moment. Is there another moment that stands out in your mind where you go, aha, it is on, here we go? Um, I don't know. Um, for myself, no. Um, for the team-wise, I mean, there's been a lot of like moments like that. Um, you know, I mean, that's, like I said, we've had so many amazing moments already with the Lansing Lugnuts. Um, and I just hope, you know, we're going to keep continuing those. And finally, let's set aside baseball. What else do you enjoy? What else do you have a passion for? I'm a big fisherman, huge fisherman. Um, in the offseason, you know, even I, I shipped up all my poles up here. I got seven poles. Haven't really had time to go out yet, but I'm, you know, kind of been a little lazy once I get back to the apartment. But uh, huge fisherman, huge golfer. Um, you know, in the offseason, I fish five days a week. I golf five days a week. So. Do you have a time during the day when you fish and a time when you golf? Um, I mostly fish late in the afternoon, um, usually midday. You know, it's kind of slow with the fishing. You see either early in the morning, 5, five o'clock in the morning, or you go later at night. Why seven poles? Uh, different kind of fishing. Uh, when we were up in Florida, I had, you know, some bigger rods for bigger fish. Yeah. And you come down here, you get you have bass rods for bass. Um, so it's like golf clubs. Yeah, yeah, you got some bigger bigger rods for some bigger fish down here. So it's just, you know, different different rods for different things. And, 
you know, if anyone wants to come with me, you know, have a pull for them too. So, Brock Lundquist, Lansing Lugnuts outfielder, thank you for your time. Yeah, no problem. But this does it for our time this week. Big thanks to Dante DiCaria, to Rob Fay, and to Jim Tarabokia. I'm Jesse Goldberg Strassler. Huge thanks to our friends at SB Nation via Bluebird Banter, the minor leaguer, and Tom. Thank you. This has been Around the Nest for another week at Around Nest on Twitter. Enjoy the baseball.